Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots Bay Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today is kind of a bit of a hangover podcast. Hangover podcast, I missed something. I missed something in the other podcast. I'm not going to go in and add it. I decided, you know what, this is worth a podcast all unto itself. It's all good that way. I've talked previously, previously meaning previous years, about the importance of the catcher position, the importance of the catcher position, and the importance of the Cubs figuring out some kind of sort of way to start coming up with players internally that can contribute as catchers. Wilson Contreras, very well done. P.J. Higgins, I think he could have done better had he um, stayed healthy, but he did not. Um, And I don't think Higgins will get offered a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. He's right column for me. Uh, I think they'll probably try to find a way to keep him around. There are ways they can do that. They can keep him around without him having a 40-man roster spot. I really think they will probably look into doing that. But still, there is a very definite upside in having a run of catchers internally. A run of catchers internally. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a run of top 100 prospects that all happen to be catchers. There's a difference. The goal with some prospects, you want to have some guys who are top 100 prospects. Top 100 prospects, the guys who are 45s, 45 pluses, 50s, 50 pluses, 60s, you know, those guys. You want to get those guys. Those guys are incredibly useful. Hard to argue that. I'm not going to bother to try because the concept of getting really good prospects, getting players with upside, obviously that's a good thing. Getting them in trades, getting them off the waiver wire, getting you, however you're locating them, through the draft, international signings, however, whatever, whichever, you go for it. Okay, so... The Cubs have done a decent job with getting some high-end international talent that were catchers. Ranier Quintero, um, Moises Ballesteros, Ethan Hearn. Um, Pablo Allendo was not considered a huge prospect, but he's um, surprisingly gotten himself already to South Bend, and he's done okay there. Um, short short sample size, but he's done okay there. Um, but yeah, adding more catching talent is generally very good. And I, I, I'll, I'll just put it out put it out there. The ideal candidate that you're talking about 
is a guy like a David Ross. If you can get a guy in the draft in ooh, seventh round out of a college that eventually, after three, four, or five years, eventually makes it up to the major leagues and he stays in the major leagues like forever, that's kind of a good thing. Doesn't have to be a first round draft pick, doesn't have to be a second round draft pick. It's perfectly legitimate as I kick my um, mattress a couple times. It's perfectly legitimate to find a catcher, eighth round, ninth round, twelfth round, whatever, and turn them into a legitimate piece in the organization. It's permitted. There's no law. There's nothing that says it is illegal. It is impossible. It is... Um, that can't happen. There, there's nothing that says that. If a team goes out and finds a guy, it doesn't matter what position it is. If you find a good guy in the eighth round, it's a third baseman, cool, great, awesome, wonderful. Roll with it. Catchers, though, are a different mindset. Catchers, sometimes there are things about certain specific catchers that, hmm... That seems like it might be a useful trait long-term. That seems like it might be a useful trait long-term. And with, like, a second baseman. If you go out and guy can play second base, he can hit, he can run a little. Okay, let's get him. Um, you know, wherever he's from, you know, big school, small school. Hey, I like to swing. I liked how he did this. I liked how he did that. He looks like he's capable. Let's bring him in. With catcher, though, it can sometimes be a bit different. It can be a bit different. And I just haven't been sold on the Cubs catchers recently. And it ends up being a long view long view as far as you might have a guy that sounds all peaches and cream on the day of the draft but four or five six years later they're not in a system they're not in baseball anymore or they're they're wherever uh sometimes the cubs would end up getting a minor league free agent bringing him in perhaps using him at double a ball Backup catcher, backup first baseman, periodic DH. Did that a number of different times. Very rarely did it end up working out for the Cubs. It sometimes worked out for the player. The player, a couple, three years later, might end up in Major League Baseball. But it wasn't helping the Cubs. Uh, back a number of years ago, they drafted a catcher in the seventh round. I'm not going to use his name because I'm not here to uh, poop drag anybody. I drafted this guy in the seventh round. He hung around a couple of years. And, nah, let's get rid of him. They released him. Somebody else signed him. He's done okay, but, uh, you know, it's not a case of, oh, my goodness, the Cubs should have kept this guy because if they would have kept him, he no, he, he, was, he wasn't going to be a thing anyway. The problem is the Cubs just haven't gotten, haven't figured out the thing, the secret formula with catchers. This year, this cycle, this draft, 
they brought in a guy who I am interested in, I'm borderline fascinated by, and I don't think he's ever going to be a catcher that's going to catch 95 starts a year. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's that guy. Maybe he will be, but if he ends up being that guy, I'll say, well, I didn't think he was going to be that good. Casey Opitz was the catcher for Arkansas. Now, when I'm watching college games and when I'm listening, most of the time because I'm listening to college games, it's uh, sometimes difficult for me to tell if the catcher is actually calling pitches. Most catchers do not call the game because the manager usually calls the game. The manager doesn't want to have some 20-year-old catcher calling a slider that hangs and ends up going for a key three-run homer, which ends up leading to the head coach losing his job. Basically, the head coach in Major League Baseball, it's the manager in college baseball, it's the head coach. The head coach generally runs the um, what pitch is coming. They will aggressively call. They will take the game entirely over and call much of the time every single pitch. Not every head coach does that in college, but most of them do. There's probably, I don't know, five or ten schools that allow the catcher to call the game. Now, it seems to me that if you would let the catcher call the game, it would probably improve the catcher's ability to get drafted, improve as a professional, etc., all that kind of stuff. But in reality, the coach is primarily interested in keeping his job. And he keeps his job if his players don't lose him games. At least that's the mindset. If my players don't lose me the game, if I can keep control of the game enough and I can turn it into my talent beats their talent, then uh, that's generally the mindset of most head coaches in college baseball. They are more interested, they are willing to call the game because they don't want some sophomore in college to make a bad pitching call or or even make a good pitching call. But the pitcher leaves one out over the plate and there goes the baseball. We lose a key game 7-2. to because I allowed the catcher to call the game. Casey Opitz has been calling games since he was in high school. He has been calling games since he was in high school. And one of the things he's learned along the way is it's rather important for the catcher, who's going to be calling the game, especially at the professional level, to know his pitching staff. 
Not just. Okay, this guy throws a fastball, a splitter, and his slider is better than his curveball. Not, not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What Casey Opitz, it's not what Casey Opitz is talking about either. Casey Opitz wants to know his pitchers. He wants to know his pitchers on, um, oh, personal level, psychological level, all that kind of stuff. Now, how is it that I can go out and when I say something to this guy, it's going to work. It's going to do something. It will change things positively. Because each of us are wired differently. I'll use myself for an example. Let's say you are in a public scenario. You and I are both out in public. And you are trying to persuade me to do something differently than the way I'm doing it. Fair, you know, understandable. Hey, I, you should be doing this instead of that. What's the best way to do that? What's the best way to get me to change the way I am doing things? Now, for some people, they think a really good way to do that is to yell at people. Yeah. Let's yell at somebody. Make a big old honking scene. You yell at me. You have lost me forever. I have no interest in listening to you ever again if you needlessly yell at me. So, if I were a pitcher on Casey Opitz's team... If he were to yell at me, that would probably not help any. So he would probably come out and, hey, Tim, how you doing? Okay. Uh, that, that, those last couple pitches, we really need them in a different place. You know, so, slow down. Um, uh, not yelling. <laughs> Just not yelling. And uh, walk me through why, what. You're saying is the better way of doing things. That is generally with me the better way to do things. Um, better way to get me to change. Each picture is different. Each picture is different. And Opitz has been in Myrtle Beach for, let me see, three, four days. Myrtle Beach has 14, 15 pitchers. How long do you think it'll take Casey Opitz to figure out all the 13, 14, 15 pitchers on the Myrtle Beach roster. Well, okay, now next season, next March, Casey Opitz goes to spring training. I'm going to guess he'll go to minor league spring training. I don't think he will go to major league spring training. But wherever he is in spring training now, instead of having 14 pitchers to get to know, he has more like, hmm... I don't know, 100, 115. Now, some of them you'll remember from Myrtle Beach, so that'll help. Yeah, uh, a couple of them he might have run into in Mesa, so he knows them at least initially. Uh, he can go back to them. And so, how's the how's the fastball working, or is the um, 
Is the breaking pitch still the same as it was last year? Or stuff like that. However, however it would be that he would do it. But for Casey Opitz, a bunch of the being a real catcher thing is knowing the pitchers. Knowing the pitchers, knowing the pitchers' games, knowing their mentality, knowing what it is that works for them, how to positively positively push their buttons. Now that sounds like the kind of catcher that might be kind of useful in an organization for three or four years. Now he's in, he's in Myrtle Beach right now. Ooh, excuse me. He's done fairly well, which to me comes about at, comes to about a 0% surprise level. Um, he could probably be in South Bend right now without too much of a huge difficulty, but he's in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, whatever. No absolute rush. But as the years go on, as he gets to know the pitchers better, then it gets to be more of a case of, after a couple years, okay, instead of, I know two of the pitchers on the on the rotate. Um, I know two of the pitchers on the team. Then it becomes more of a case of okay. Well, I've been growing up with these guys. I've I've been calling pitches with these guys the last you know two three years whatever. I know almost all the guys on the team. And if there is a guy who I don't know, he probably just arrived. So I'd probably better get about hey you know what's what. What's your stuff? What what you bring? What do you bring to the table? And get to know specifically those guys as quickly as possible. Will Casey Opitz hit? I don't know. But really, when you're talking about a catcher who will very possibly be a backup type sort of catcher, really, how much are you demanding he's going to hit anyway? You know, if you have a backup catcher. That can pop a couple of homers, hit 220. I think I've just described Victor Caratini. Um, and the Cubs drafted Opitz in the wasn't the sixth round, wasn't the seventh, eighth round. Casey Opitz, eighth round draft pick. Eighth round draft pick. As of now, he's in Myrtle Beach. As far as where he will be next year, oh, I think it's a safe guess, very safe guess, that Casey Opitz should probably be in South Bend next season, whether there is a work stoppage or not. And as he starts to get more uh, comfortable with the pitchers in the Cubs organization, he should be more Useful as far as uh, calling pitches, running a pitching staff, and providing value. Providing value is the goal for the prospect in any of a various number of different shapes, levels, and fashions. Provide level on offense. Provide level. Uh, provide value on offense. Provide value on defense. Opitz has been catching since high school. He's been calling games since high school. He's been calling games. He knows how to do this. He knows how to 
keep hitters off guard. He knows how to take um, take information from hitters who are, you know, creeping too close to the plate or whatever, whatever it is. He is good at that kind of stuff. And for too long through the draft, the Cubs really haven't been getting a whole lot of that, I don't think, from their pitchers or from their catchers. Can Casey Opitz in a couple, three, four years be to the point where, hey, this guy looks like he might be a useful major league backup? That'd be kind of a nice thing. And if the Cubs can find a way to start getting more quality from any position, they've been doing a rather aggressive job of trying to locate up the middle talent, which is fine, but the up-the-middle talent hasn't really um, manifested itself in a whole lot of um, internally drafted catchers. It just hasn't happened. Wilson Contreras, very good get. Victor Caratini, very good trade addition. But as far as drafting... Just hasn't worked a whole lot yet. May Casey Opitz start to change that? And then if you toss in an Ethan Hearn and a Ranier Quintero and a Moises Ballesteros, and you start backing it up and you have three or four or five good catchers in your pipeline, all the better. And if you start having the three or four or five Good catchers in your pipeline. Um, instead of saying, oh, well, now we have a whole bunch of catchers. Let's run away from it. No. <laughs> catchers are useful to have. If you can locate someone who the Cubs think they can turn into a useful catcher, go after it. Go for it. Um, one of the things that people like to talk about, and it doesn't have a whole lot necessarily to do with catchers, but maybe it does, is age. Prospect age. Oh, this guy's 29. This guy's 30. This guy's 27. This guy... Yes. It would be really nice if almost all of a team's prospects were fantastic at the age of 22. It would be fantastic. That doesn't happen. Oftentimes, catchers go to college, go to a four-year school. They don't come out of school until they're 21, 22. It takes them a couple years to get firing up in the minor leagues, da-da-da-da. Uh, finally, they get to a certain point, and they're 27, 28 when they get called up to the major leagues, and hey, this guy's not horrible. You're not required, you're not required, you're not required to get bent out of shape if a player takes a couple extra years to get to the major leagues. Don't worry about the age. And if you have a prospect, regard a player, whether they're a prospect or not, if they are 28, 29, 30, 31 years old, but they're actually useful at the major league level, that's a good thing. If you have a catcher who's 28 or 29, oh, but he's not 24. So what? 
if you can fill in, be useful, and help your team win some games, why would that be a bad thing? I am happy to see Casey Opitz be a guy who is a switch hitter. He's been calling games since he was in high school. He knows how to do the things. He's going to be pot committed to getting to know the pitchers in the organization. It's kind of fun, kind of fun, kind of fun. The, the one time that he was, uh, what was it? Saturday, Sunday? It was one of the two. I think it was Sunday. He was catching uh, Daniel Palacios. Here, Daniel. Throw 101 up in the zone. Good job, Daniel. Nice job. Here, Daniel. Throw 100 up in the zone. Nice job, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. 85 curve. Down the dirt. Swing and a miss. Nice job, Daniel. Um, Casey Opitz knows how to call a game. Casey Opitz knows how to catch. It's nice to have someone in the pipeline who there's no concept of changing his position. Well, we kind of like him as a second baseman, but we're going to switch him to a catcher because we think that if we take the year or two to get him to learn how to be a catcher, then maybe he may might be able to move up through the system quicker. Casey Opitz is a catcher. He knows how to catch. He's been call, calling games for, you know, five, six, seven years, whatever. He's good with it. He's fine. He's not a problem. Let him do what he's going to supposed to do. And um, lather, rinse, repeat. Find players who are good, develop them into better players, take full advantage of that. Um, Casey Opitz was a one of a number of players who I was very happy that the Cubs drafted on the second day of the draft. And a couple of them have already shown to be doing fairly well already. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Have a nice day and be nice to others.